The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and 22 states have sued Aquin Financial, a mortgage servicer that performs tasks like collecting mortgage payments on behalf of the banks that actually lend the money. Among other things, the CFPB says that uh, Aquin routinely mishandled millions of mortgage accounts and that the software Aquin uses to manage mortgages is deeply flawed, adding errors regularly to borrowers' accounts. Aquin uh, disputes the allegations and has called the lawsuit politically motivated, but this isn't the first time that it's been in hot water with the CFPB, and it's uh, facing some very serious lawsuits right now. With us to talk about the litigation against Aquin is Robert Hockett, a professor at Cornell University Law School. Bob, explain to us exactly what the CFPB says uh, that Aquin did wrong here. Sure, sure. So uh, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, essentially, if you go back to one thing that I think might help listeners, is if they remember back in 2010, the so-called robo-signing scandals, where a lot of banks were getting in trouble for supposedly uh, filling out or, or filling, do- filling out documents kind of fraudulently in order to begin to foreclose on homes uh, on which uh, uh, mortgages were sort of getting laid on their payments. One of the reasons that was alleged for that was that basically there was just such a, a big upswing in foreclosures in the wake of the crisis that the banks simply couldn't handle it. They simply couldn't keep up with all of the servicing requirements that they had to keep up with. So a lot of the banks began to unload a lot of these servicing rights to a firm like Aquin. And Aquin purported to be a specialist at handling this kind of stuff. They supposedly had the right software, the right techniques, so they could kind of do all of this stuff in in the right way on the up and up. They could kind of manage each particular uh, mortgage account well and take in the payments. They could do readjusting of uh, of monthly payments if necessary. Um, They could basically handle handle it all in a much more efficient way was the claim. What the CFPB and what 22 states are saying is that Aquin has proved no better at this than the banks were said to be doing uh, back in 2010. The idea is, first of all, that the software that they're using is not capable of tracking all of the various functions that have to be tracked uh, in servicing uh, these many, many loans. Uh, They're claiming that Aquin is uh, failing to record payments uh, that uh, mortgagers are actually making on some of these loans. They're saying that Aquin is failing to make various tax payments and other sorts of payments that have to be made out of the uh, escrow accounts associated with particular mortgages, and that in consequence, um, something like one and a half million uh, homeowners have been harmed already. So a number of uh, states have sued, as as you know, as the CFPB has sued, and a bunch of states have also issued cease and desist orders, essentially saying that Aquin has to stop uh, taking on any more servicing business until it can sort of prove or or sort of get under wraps uh, the business that it's currently uh, claiming to be handling. Bob, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau said that Aquin allegedly foreclosed illegally on at least a 1,000 homeowners. Don't they have to go through a court proceeding and prove some facts before they can foreclose illegally? And don't they have to verify whether the debt was valid? They do, but but seriously, different states have different degrees of friction, you might say, that they put up uh, in the way of a would-be foreclosure. In some states, it's a lot easier and faster for, to foreclose uh, than in others. What's more, uh, if Aquin, for example, um, was sort of proving that it had the right to foreclose by producing certain documents that might have been, you know, robo-signed, if I can use that word again, you know, basically referring to what the banks were accused of uh, around seven years ago, um, then some of those foreclosures could definitely be suspect, even though uh, uh, Aquin sort of uh, complied with the sort of the letter of the law or appeared to have complied with the letter of the law. Bob, 
you know, this isn't the first time the CFPB has gone after Aquin. Mm-hmm. They went after them in 2013 mm-hmm. over what sound like very similar kinds mm-hmm. of allegations of mismanagement of accounts. Mm-hmm. How is it that this didn't get cleared up when that when the CFPB went after them the first time? Well, I mean, that that is uh, uh, the $64,000 question, right? I mean, one would have thought that Aukwin would have been put on notice then uh, and that they would have gotten their act together. Um, I think there are a couple of possible explanations. There are sort of good faith. I mean, there are sort of charitable explanations, possible, I'm sorry, there are some possible explanations that are sort of charitable and others that are less so. Let's start with the charitable. The charitable explanation might be that they said that, yeah, we'll get our act together, we'll sort of get back on the straight and narrow, we'll, we'll fix these problems, uh, and that they really tried, um, but that they underestimated the the magnitude of the problem and so didn't succeed in sort of fully handling it. Another possibility uh, is that they were, in fact, acting to correct the problems that the CFPB uh, notified them about in 2013, but that in the meanwhile, they kept taking on additional servicing rights so that the full portfolio that they were dealing with continued to grow. And so even the improvements that they made in 2013 might not have sufficed, given the fact that the original basis of those 2013 problems was itself growing. Right? I mean, one thing we have to remember is that the number of uh, mortgages that they've been servicing, the, the full portfolio, I, I think grew by something like a factor of eight, eightfold uh, from, what, 2010 to now or 2009 until now. So it's a very rapid growth rate in their portfolio of mortgages to handle. So even if they were in 2013, which is, again, four years ago, even if they were beginning to get their, their house in order, so to speak, uh, it might have been that that was not enough because the problem was, in effect, growing very rapidly even as they were trying to get a handle on it as it had developed up to 2013. Bob, so the CFPB, the state of Florida, and 21 other state agencies mm-hmm. are suing them mm-hmm. or issuing cease and desist orders against mm-hmm. the company. Yeah, It has said it will vigorously defend itself. What Mm -hmm. is its defense? I really, I frankly can't imagine what it could be. I really can't. Uh, I, I'm very, I, I mean, I, I'm surprised by this particular attitude. I would have thought that they would have been exhibiting some kind of contrition, um, some sort of plea to the effect that, well, you know, please, you know, work with us here. We, we really are trying. We're doing our best. But, but the problem is that the thing has, you know, that the, the, the portfolio has grown so rapidly that even as we are making improvements, we're still having trouble keeping up. That would have struck me as the right sort of tone to take. Instead, by striking a def- tone and saying, oh, this is just the CFPB sort of getting out of control, I think it's an amazingly stupid strategy, to tell you the truth, because when you've got half of the states of the union making the same claim, trying to scapegoat the CFPB just isn't going to – it's not going to fly, right? Nobody's going to buy that. Nobody's going to find that convincing when half the states in the union are alleging the same same wrongs uh, and and acting in the same way as the CFPB. I can't see what kind of defense they could possibly offer that would be consistent, at least, with the defiant tone that they're striking. Bob – if you know a lot of people probably when they get their bills from these mortgage servicing companies mm-hmm. are kind of surprised you take out a mortgage with a bank and yeah. then suddenly this other company who you never heard of before is yeah. servicing your mortgage mm-hmm. and you can end up in a situation like we have allegedly with Aquin here mm-hmm. Is there something that should be done, you know, at the governmental level or otherwise or by the banks in order to avoid this kind of situation? Because people don't have any control over who the mortgaging service company is. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the sort of the perfect question to ask here because, in effect, what it highlights is 
a particular fact, and it's the fact that we haven't yet figured out how to deal with the fact that the whole country, the whole model of housing finance that we operate with in this country has fundamentally shifted over the last 10 to 20 years, right? There used to be, as we know, right, the, the very, the person that lended or the institution that lent you the money that you used to buy your house kept the loan for the duration of the loan, and you know, had a, you had a personal relation with it. You knew who they were. They knew who you were. You had a kind of a history. You could kind of work things out together if you were beginning to uh, suffer financial hardship and, and hence were going delinquent on some of your payments. But as you know, uh, in the lead-up to 2008, uh, we had a gradual shift to what's now known as the originate-to-distribute model, where the, the institution that originates loans doesn't plan to hold them. Instead, it sells the rights to collect on the loans to other institutions, and sometimes these things can change hands multiple times, and that makes it very difficult, for one thing, for the homeowners to know who the heck they're actually dealing with and who they actually owe something to and who might be, in fact, just trying to scam them. And it turns out that it's apparently difficult for the servicers themselves even to kind of keep up with things because these things often change hands so rapidly. So the question is, do we have to go back to the pre-originate-to-distribute model, basically originate-to-hold? In other words, do we want kind of maximum skin in the game again like we used to have, or is there some sort of middle ground that we can find that's between the older model on the one hand and the currently, you know, sort of just obviously unsustainable originate to distribute to distribute to distribute to distribute model, which is what's proved so so unworkable. You know, the argument in favor of the latter is it supposedly makes housing finance cheaper, right? The cost of housing finance is much lower because nobody feels, the lenders know that they can unload the loans and so they're not going to be stuck with them, and hence they, they charge less in the way of interest. But the problem, of course, is we actually had sort of too much mortgage credit. It was sort of too much of a good thing. Uh, that's why we had a housing bubble in the first place. So clearly we need something between the two extremes at, at least if we don't, in fact, go all the way back to the uh, originate to hold model. Bob, every time I see these lawsuits continuing about mortgage companies and mortgage service companies, I ask the same question of myself, which is haven't we learned anything from the financial crisis? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like we learned something for about 20 minutes or maybe for 18 months, um, and then almost as quickly as um, things begin to kind of recover in scare quotes, the, the original causes of, of, of the crisis in the first place uh, begin to be forgotten. But you would have thought in this particular case, given that the, the magnitude of the crisis first and the fact that it was so concentrated on housing finance, as in, you know, for, for another thing, that at the very least we would at least remember, right, uh, how to, you know, how to do housing right, even if we, you know, are still sort of arguing about what to do about derivatives or what to do about uh, financial market utilities or repo markets or what have you. But it seems that we, we apparently haven't even figured out yet what to do about housing. And I guess you see another reflection of this, of course, is in Congress itself, because Congress for at least five years now has been figuring out what to do with Fannie and Freddie. Do we want to sort of restore them to what they were before 2008? Well, Bob, we want we, to... we've got, there's clearly going to be more for us to have you on the air to talk about, uh, but we're running out of time, so I want to thank Bob Hockett of Cornell Law School for being with us here today on Bloomberg Law. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks to technical director Krista Comey and producer David Setcherman. Coming up on Bloomberg Radio, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. Carol, what do you got? How much money is the IBM CEO really making? We're going to do that. Stay tuned for all of that and more here on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.